Uh, I want to just, uh, I just, I, I, I want to recognize our, our dads here today, and, and uh, we're just, we're thankful for all our fathers here. And you know, one of the things I just, I want to brag on, on our on our church for just a moment. We've got a lot of uh, strong men in our church, great leaders. Thank God for that. Amen. A great leadership team and our deacon of men that love Jesus, that serve Jesus, and uh, those that serve in our ranger program and youth ministries and children's ministry. Let's just thank God for that. Let's just give God the glory for that. Thank you, men. Um, So what I want to do is, uh, if you have a birthday, if you're a father and you have a birthday in June. Raise your hand. Any fathers that have a birthday in June? Okay, we've got, we've got two. Okay, Jerry and Wayne. Don't be shy if anybody else, because I got gifts, so we're going to do it. Jerry, how close is your birthday to Father's Day? Yeah, when's your, when's your birthday? What's that? You guys are tied? Okay, good. You guys can come on down. I got a little gift for both you guys. Okay. Now, uh, Jerry, you remember what time in the morning you were born? Because this this is a big deal. This makes. Yeah, we were just discussing that. I have no idea. He was born first. Okay, we'll see. You were born first. I'll let you choose. We've we've got special gifts for the men. We've got these are called mandals. These are from Yankee Candle, and if you've ever been to Yankee Candle, it's totally chick place. Can't see, it's all potpourri and lilacs and butterflies and kisses and stuff like that. These are man candles. We have one called Riding Lawnmower. Okay? And the other is bacon. And it smells like bacon. So, so who, who said for... who? You, Jerry, okay, Jerry, you can pick from the riding lawnmower or the bacon, and then. I'm not much of a riding lawnmower guy. So you're gonna go for the bacon? Okay, there you go, Jerry. You get the riding lawnmower. Let's give these guys happy Father's Day, guys. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, Pastor Mike told me about that. Said we've got to do that. I love that. So we've got the man sent for you. Before we, before uh, we, before uh, we jump into the message, I do have a, just a little gift. For all you men, how, how many of you men sometimes in your marriages, you, you tend to, your wife tends to misunderstand you or sometimes you tend to misunderstand your wife and sometimes there's a little conflict or a little disconnect in the communication. Any of that ever happened to you ever? Okay, I'm getting a lot of amens out there. Okay, so we got a little disconnect. Um, so I want to show you a little video here. This is going to save you men a lot of money in counseling that's going to help you. And the, the video is called, It's Not About the Nail. Go ahead and watch the video. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. 
Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out... See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! Try to see things my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go Okay, there you go. It's not about the nail. Can I get an amen? Okay, just, okay, we're there. All right. Had to show that to you. Loved it. Um, If you've got your Bibles, grab those. We are into our series on living an infection-free life. We're looking through the book of uh, Philippians, and uh, we're going to try to tie this in a little bit with Father's Day because this is something that we all battle with. But I, this is a message for everybody. We've been looking at, as we've been going through chapter by chapter through the uh, book of Philippians, we know that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi to encourage them. This is a, a good church, it's a healthy church. Paul is, is uh, in prison as he writes this, but he's encouraged by how the Lord is working in their lives, and he, and he wants to keep that good work continuing in their lives and not for it to be derailed by by circumstances in life by our own flesh and so paul encourages them to be proactive in their walk with the lord and not to get uh discouraged and we know how easy it is for us to become sick not only physically sick i just i just found out this week as i was doing some research that at any one time you can have as many as five thousand germs on your hands so go ahead and shake somebody's hand right now. I'm just teasing. And, and, and we, you know, we, get, we can get sick and some of those can cause us to get, to get sick. That's why they tell you to wash your hands correctly and sanitize them and, and all those other things. And we know that those little germs that we don't see can cause us to become sick. And there, there are little germs in our life, spiritual germs, if we're not careful, that can come into our lives and, and just derail what God is doing. And we, become, we can become sick and, and, and we can become infectious. And not only can we become sick, but we can make others sick if we're not careful. And so we're looking at ways that, that we can um, guard our heart against becoming spiritually sick. And if we're not proactive in our walk, uh, and, and, and if we're not careful about what we listen to and, and, and what we expose our lives to, we can all become uh, very easily uh, sick. I, I just like this, um, you, you know, you can jump into Philippians chapter 3, but uh, keep your finger there. But let me just read you what Paul wrote to, to young Timothy about living a godly life. He said, in First Timothy, he said, don't waste your time arguing about godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits for this life and the life to come. And here's the thing. The greatest battle you will ever face in your life is not against somebody else, but it's within yourself. The, if, if the, the, many times we, 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 we underestimate the enemy, don't we? If you underestimate the enemy, how many know you're going to lose the battle? 
And many times we underestimate the, the enemy within us because we're too worried about the enemy from without. And, and so what begins to happen is we begin to focus our attention on other people and how they bother us and how they irritate us and if they were just out of my life and blah, 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 my life would be much better. But the real enemy we have to be careful about is within ourselves. It's the battle against ourselves. So what Paul does here in chapter 3 of Philippians is he doesn't rely on what he's done. He, he doesn't look at the enemy from without. Remember, he is in prison right now. If he had any reason to gripe or complain or to be angry, he could have been angry at Rome and, and, and how he was mistreated and so on and so forth. But instead, he turns this whole conversation around in chapter 3 and points at his own life, how he can't rely on himself, how he's got to guard his heart against the flesh. And so what we're going to look at today is, is guarding our heart against the inf- infection of a fleshly mind or a fleshly heart or a worldly heart. And, and how many you know we live in this world and there's worldliness and there's these desires all around us that are vying for our attention, that's trying to grab us to go down a road that we ought not go down. And Paul, what he does is, see, the, the issue is many times we just well, if I just move to Montana and live in a cabin where I have no temptation whatsoever, my life would be so much greater. But how many know it's not simply about just isolating yourself? It boils down to your heart. And if our heart is not right before the Lord, it doesn't matter where you live or what you try to eliminate from your life. If your heart's not right, you will always give in to the flesh and worldly desires And thus we will disobey God and God's will in our life. So what Paul does in chapter 3 here, he turns everything around and he talks about how he guards his heart against the flesh and what his life was like before Christ and what his life is like now. So if you're there, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 14 and let's see what Paul says here about putting no confidence in the flesh. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. He's very happy with them. And this is what he says in verse 1. And it is a safeguard for you. He says, watch your hearts. He said, watch out for those dogs. I mean, Paul was hit back then, calling people dogs. He's right up there with Randy Jackson. I can't believe it. He was there. He was the first dog. He says, listen, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in who? Jesus Christ. And who put no confidence in what? The flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. Now listen to what Paul says here. If someone thinks he has every reason to put confidence in the flesh or what he's done or has accomplished, I have more. He goes, circumcised on the eighth eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. I was the top of the heap. If you want to look at somebody spiritual, somebody that was religious, somebody who was perfect in his zeal, it was me. People look to me, persecuting those in the church. It was me standing at the stoning uh, 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 of the first uh, of of Stephen, the first uh, martyr for the church. It was Paul giving his approval. 
Verse 7, but whatever were my gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then he says, what is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and, not be, and, and be found in him, not even a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow obtaining the resurrection from the dead. Now that I, I, he says, now, not that I've already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what? That of which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not. I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it. But one thing I do do is this, forgetting what is behind me, straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So what Paul says is, he says, listen, he uses this word flesh. He, he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. What does he mean by, what does he mean by this? And, and, and why is the flesh so infectious to our spiritual life? Well, Paul means here when he says flesh, anything that is done outside of Christ. Because the battle for the Christian is the desire to follow God and the desire to follow my flesh at the same time. In fact, the two are in conflict with one another. Paul explains this even further uh, in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, where he says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are, so that, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul's saying is you've got this conflict, even as you're a believer and you walk with Christ, there's a conflict that we have with doing what's spiritual and trying to obey the Lord, and then we got the flesh right there. And this is the frustrating thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ. We know what we ought to do, yet sometimes we blow it, and sometimes we feel like giving up. We blow it at times. We, we lose our temper at times. We raise our voice. We, 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 the, a, a choice word may come out of our mouth when we hit our hand with a hammer, right? There, there's something going on. What, what's going on there? You see, it's the battle for your heart. And what Paul does is, I, I love the Apostle Paul because he's honest with us here. He gets to the root of the issue here. Paul goes into his frustration and uses himself an example in Romans 7, talking about this frustration. And, and what I love about Paul is that what he says here in Romans 7 is he's very honest with us and his readers that he's going through the same issues, this struggle between doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And he says this in Romans seven fourteen. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but Paul says, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. Do, 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 right? There's a struggle. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So Paul says in verse 21, he says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, 
actually waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He goes in verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And here's the answer. Are you ready? It says in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point, amen. Okay, so here's the, this is a tension that we all live with in our Christian walk. If we're brutally honest with ourselves, there are no super duper califragilistic expialidocious Christians, okay? I don't, I don't, we all struggle with so. I, I can't believe I got that out of my, I get tongue-tied so easy, I can't believe I said that. Okay, anyway, okay. So if, if we're honest with ourselves, right, we all struggle, there, there, there is something in our lives that we all struggle with that if we're honest with, you know, you, we can all hide it within each other, right? Your spouse knows, right, what's, what the deal is, okay? So, so let's, be, let's, just, let's, just, let's just lay all everything down, our pretensions down. Let's just lay it all down right now and just admit to ourselves right now we ain't got it all together, right? Let's, let's just say it. I ain't got it all together. Ready? One, two, three. I ain't got it all together. Good. Okay, that, that's a first step. That's a good baby step. Baby step, baby step. That's good. Okay. So what Paul says here, he says, here's the tension, I want to please God, yet sin and flesh are right there. I do some good things, and I do some not-so-good things at times. So here's the million-dollar question. What do we do about it? Do we just give up and just finally just, I'm going to give in to the flesh because it's too hard for me to live as a Christian? And here's the mistake we can make. On either end, we can either make the mistake by covering it and saying, well, I'm just a good Christian and I'm going to cover this sin. And I'm going to hide and I'm going to try to act and look like a Christian, dress like a Christian, talk like a Christian, act like a Christian, eat Christian food, have Christian pets, drive Christian cars, live in Christian homes, do all this, listen to Christian music, watch Christian TV. I'm going to do all this outer stuff, right? Peripheral stuff to make myself feel like I'm a Christian. But inside, I know, I know that I know that I know that I know that it's just a facade, right? See, see, that's the problem in Christianity is we can fall into the trap and many of you may have fallen into that or maybe some of you are living that today. It's called cultural Christianity, right? You live like a Christian, but in your heart, you really aren't. In, in your heart, there are some issues. So we can live like that. Or we can just say, you know what? I'm just gonna give in to my sin and forget this Christian stuff because they're all a bunch of hypocrites, right? Which I always say to people that don't want to come to church because they see the church full of hypocrites. I say, come on, because we could always use one more, right? So we all know that, right? Okay, so how do we deal with this? Here's the mistake we can make. We can make the mistake by falling into cultural Christianity over here, or we can fall over on this extreme by saying, well, I'm only human. So what we do is we make, mis we, when we make excuses for our sin, we can make the mistake by saying, I'm only human. Paul didn't fall into that mistake. So it is true. We are human born to make mistakes, right? I grew up in the 80s. I'm a product of the 80s. I remember this group called Human League, and they sang a song, I'm only human born to make mistakes. There's a commercial on TV right now. It's the most hilarious commercial 
you will ever see. It's, I, don't, I don't even know what it is. I think it's an insurance commercial. The guy cutting down a limb on his street and it falls on his car. I'm only somebody pulling into their garage and they forget that the bike rack is up on top and they pull right into the garage and the bikes rip right off the top of the, I'm only, right? we, We make mistakes, right? But here's the problem. It is true, we make mistakes, but what Paul is saying in here is he's saying, listen, let's be careful here because Paul's not letting us off the hook. Yes, we will make mistakes. We must be willing to forgive and to show grace and and to one another as Christ did for us, right? We're going to make mistakes. We need to find forgiveness in Christ. But if I am in Christ, I can't use my bad behavior as an excuse by saying, that's the way I am. I'm only human. Accept me the way I am. Let's be careful here, right? Paul's not going to that extreme either. What's really going on here? What's really going on here is I'm not fully submitted to Christ and something deeper is going on in my heart that I'm not dealing with. So how do we battle? Here's the, this is the the question. How do we battle the flesh in the right way and not to allow the flesh to infect our hearts where we become immune to it and we become callous to that deviant behavior so that it's not brought to light so that Christ can't deal with it and soften our hearts so that we can overcome some of those habitual uh, wrong sinful habits in our lives because that's that's what can happen in our hearts is that we become so calloused to our own deviancy that we begin to justify it as right behavior okay so that, that that's that's the danger. So what, what Paul does here is he gives us some wonderful principles and steps here on how to guard our heart against the flesh so that it doesn't feed into a deviant behavior that doesn't allow God to speak to us. So let's look at a couple of things here. I, I love what, what Paul does here because what Paul tells us to do here is he says, walk in the spirit in Galatians and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So two things are here that I want you to see. There's an empowerment I want you to see that God gives us through the Holy Spirit to give us the power to please God. But we also have a responsibility, Paul says, to walk in the ways of God. This is my daily life. So what am I doing to feed my spirit? What you feed grows, what you starve dies. So we've got to take inventory of our life and say, why am I hardened to the Lord? Or why am I allowing these things to get the best of me all the time? Well, the issue is, is you're feeding something that's feeding that flesh. You're not alienated. You're not starving it. Paul says, when you walk in the spirit every single day, what you're going to be doing, what you're going to end up doing is pleasing the Lord. And you're going to starve that fleshly desire within your life that causes you to sin. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. Let me give you a couple things here on overcoming the battle of the flesh, okay? Let me first say this. You're never going to completely overcome it, okay, (laughs) until we get to heaven, okay? But here are things that can help us not to give into it, not to feed it all the time. And here's what Paul shows us in the verses that we read in Philippians. Let me give you a couple things here. First of all, write this down if you're taking notes. Expose your pride, What Paul did was, which I thought was ingenious, in chapter 3, he exposed his pride of what he was like before Christ. Now, if you were to look at Paul, 
he really didn't do anything wrong, technically, right? He was religious, right? He, he, was, he was zealous for the Lord. He was very sincere in what he was doing for the Lord, but it was all driven by what? Pride. Religious pride. Paul tells his listeners, if anyone had reason to boast, it was him. His resume was impeccable. If anyone had any reason to boast in his religious background, it was Paul. But what Paul did was he exposed his true motivation and he really looked at himself for who he really was. And so basically what pride does is, all pride does is it puffs us up. It says, look at what I've done. Pride, pride covers all of our mistakes. We use pride to cover all my mishaps and all my shortcomings. Pride doesn't allow us to be vulnerable because, because pride covers up all our mistakes. So it doesn't allow us to be vulnerable and tender to the Holy Spirit speaking to our life in areas of repentance. Pride keeps us from admitting that we're wrong and apologizing. How many of you just, you were right and the other person was wrong and for the sake of the relationship, you are not gonna humble yourself in that relationship. We've all been there, right? Because I'm right and you're wrong. And so what we've done is, for, for, for the sake of that battle, you know, we say, well, you, you, you won the battle, but, or you, you won that fight, but you really ultimately lost the battle. You lost that relationship. Because we can be right and wrong at the same time. And what Paul said within his pride, his pride caused him to puff himself up to be the best at what he did religiously. And if, and if we're not careful, we can do the same thing in our pursuit of God talking about how much we pray or how much we read the Bible or our little spiritual pursuits, right? Just, we kind of throw it out there just, just to show everybody, hey, look where I'm at. And really what it is, if you boil it all down, it's just pride. It, it's taking pride in what you've done for the Lord. But Paul says, I considered everything I've done prior to Christ is meaningless now. It was foolishness. It was, in fact, garbage in comparison to what I do for Christ. So if we're gonna overcome this fleshly thing in our heart, you have to expose your pride. You've gotta allow the Holy Spirit to expose those little areas of pride in your life. Here, can, can I just be honest with you? I'm gonna just open, I'm open the heart right here, ready? I'm opening my heart up to you right now, okay? I'm gonna say, here's an area of pride for me. How many of you just, when it comes to your kids, you just want, oh, I just, you, lo you love your kids, right? And, 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 and we, we tend to get a little overexcited about our kids. And I know when someone shares about their kids, I know sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm going, I just want to interject something that my kid did. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, I know you're proud of them. You should be proud of your kids and praise God. Let your kids know you love them and you're excited for them. And that's wonderful. But I know sometimes when someone's saying something to me like, oh yeah, blah, 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 and they did this or blah, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I just want to interject, oh yeah, yeah, because well, the same thing happened in Wesley or Colby, and then I think, I walk away going, that was pride. You just wanted to brag. Come on. You wanted to brag about your kids. You wanted to one-up, that's all pride is. It's one-upping somebody else, right? Have you ever done that? You share something exciting with somebody and then somebody one-ups you? And then you walked away saying, well, I wish you would just shut up. Why you got to one-up me all the time? Why is your Christmas letter better than my Christmas letter? Why are your kids all perfect and they have no problems, right? It's the one-upping. That's all pride is. And that's what Paul did. Paul one-up everybody. 
There was nobody that was going to go toe-to-toe with Paul before his experience with Christ, right? It's pride. So just be careful in your areas of your life where you're like, Lord, is that pride? Is that, am I trying to brag? Am I trying to lift myself? Just be careful. Expose it. That's the battle against the flesh. And those are things that we never think about, right? But that's where it starts. That's where the germ, that's where the infection starts. Here's the second thing I want you to do. So important. Write this down. Be honest with your sin. Expose it. Paul exposed it for what it was. I absolutely love Psalm 51. Psalm 51, read it over and over again because it's David's response to God after he was caught in his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. This was David's response to the Lord when Nathan the prophet caught him and exposed his sin. And and this psalm is probably, I think it's the apex of, of scripture on how to repent correctly before the Lord. And what David does in Psalms 51, 4, he says, against you and only you have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. He knew that his sin was ever before him. In verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. David just exposed it. He didn't say, well, you know, she was tempting me. I was vulnerable, blah, 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 blah. David just exposed it for what it was, confessed it before the Lord, Ask the Lord to renew a right spirit. You see, what happens is many times what I think we do with, with our sin, I call it the Febreze test. We spray a little Febreze on it, right, to make it smell better. But you ever done that? You got a stain in your couch or your dog did a poo-poo or a wee-wee or something. You say, oh, get this Febreze out. So we'll just spray it on there to make it smell. How many of you know the stain's still there, right? It, it doesn't take the stain out. It just makes the stink smell stinky better, right? See, that's what we do many times with our sin. We, we justify it by spraying a little Febreze on it to make it smell better, but we've never dealt with a root issue because we're not really honest with God about it. Call it for what it is. If you struggle with gossip, call for what it is and say, I'm a gossip and God help me. If you complain a lot, call it for what it is. You've got a critical spirit. Just say, God, I'm complaining a lot. I just am. I don't know what's going on, but I just, I'm complaining a lot. Go before the Lord and say, God, I have a critical spirit. Help me. Help me. Kids are driving me nuts. No. Help me. If you tend to put others down and are very stingy with compliments, call it for what it is. You're insecure. Just call for what? God, I'm insecure. That's why I'm putting people down. If you struggle with habitual sins, you can't handle alcohol or you're abusing drugs or painkillers or gambling, whatever it is, pornography, whatever it is, call it for what it is. God, I'm struggling in this area and it's sin. It's, it's entangled my heart and this fleshly part of my life is overcoming me and it's, and it's got me. And I need your spirit to empower me, to help me to overcome this, God. See, what David did is he called it for what it was. And when we call it for what it is, God's grace swoops into our lives, doesn't he? And he brings healing into our lives. And then we allow the spirit of Christ to reign and rule and not the spirit of the flesh to rule and reign in our life. But listen, 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 listen. 
unless you call sin for what it is, the flesh will always win out. It will. I'm just being, I know that's not comfy, cozy, warm, fuzzy words for you, but they're words for me too. Unless we call sin, sin, and we call it out, and we call it on the carpet, flesh will always win out because you just, all you did was spray it with good smell and stuff, but the sin is still there. So let, let's call it for what it is, people, and, and allow God to, to work this deeper work in your life where you've called sin out. You see, the more we expose our sin, the more God can deal with us. So let's call for what it is. Here's the third thing. Write this down. Paul understood this. Daily lay your life down before the Lord. So not only do you call sin, sin, not only do you expose your pride, but daily lay your life down before the Lord. See, Paul got this. Everything he did before the Lord, he did for himself. But now everything he does for the Lord, he counts it as lost for the sake of Christ. And what he's saying is, I have gained so much more by counting everything as lost now before the Lord. And what I thought was such a big deal isn't that big of a deal in comparison to knowing Christ. And this is the only way that I can explain it in my life. When I came to know Christ and and made a profession of faith and bowed my knee before him and and, and God's spirit came into my life as a 16-year-old teenager, I was immersed in swimming. Swimming was my life. Swimming Swimming was my identity. That I was the best butterfly on the team, it was my identity. Uh, it was just, I, I loved to swim. I mean, people knew me as a swimmer. Even as a little kid, I started swimming when I was seven. That was my life. I swam all year round. I swam through the summer. I swam, we would swim two-a-days in, in December to get in shape for the season. I mean, that, I was immersed in swimming. That was my, I wasn't the greatest academically, but swimming, I could do that well. That was my life. And all of a sudden, I got saved. Now, all of a sudden, swimming wasn't that important to me anymore as it used to be. Now, if, if, if Jesus wanted me to continue to swim, that's fine. But all of a sudden, I lost that desire to swim because Jesus was a lot more important. I'd rather be at youth group on Wednesday night than go to swim practice on Wednesday. I, I, I just, I remember we went on a, a youth retreat and I wanted to go so bad. It was in February. It was right before the swimming sectionals. And yeah, if any of you swam or you understand, you got to taper down to get ready for the sectionals. And my coach is like, you're going to miss a week of, of tapering down to go on a youth retreat. Yeah. Can I, I mean, he was, wasn't real happy with me. And um, I was going skiing and could break a leg, whatever. And I had a blast. And the Lord, we just had wonderful services every night. And it was just, I'm so glad I went. I never forgot that youth retreat because that's when God truly spoke to my heart. And spoke to my heart even about going into the ministry. And by the way, I swam my best time ever at that sectional swim meet. So I looked at the code in your, no, I'm just teasing. See what I, but, but, but see the desire? All of a sudden, what Paul is saying, my desires began to switch. My identity was not in what I do. My identity wasn't being the best Pharisee. You see, some of you, you've made the mistake of finding your identity and trying to be the best Christian. 
you, you, you've made your identity by trying to be perfect, and when you mess up, it just drives you crazy. You know why? You're doing it in yourself, and you're not doing it through Christ. And so we as Christians, let's not point the finger at the world, because we as Christians can fall into the same trap of trying to do more and more and more and more and more for Jesus, because it's really not about Jesus. It's more about me trying to be perfect and work my way closer to Christ. He's saying, what Paul's saying is drop all that stuff. So what, 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 what Paul says is, he goes, I just want to know Jesus. I, I want to know him in his death and resurrection, just to be like him in the way Paul knew Christ was through his suffering. By allowing God to do his will in his life, by even being imprisoned, Paul knew Christ in a deeper way. So if you're truly going to know Christ, then we have to lay down all our ambitions and say, God, do your work in my heart. And whatever you take me through, I'm going to be open because I know you know what's best for me and I can trust you. And sometimes God, listen, sometimes God allows us to go through difficult circumstances to rip away the flesh in my heart. The, the flesh that says I want to depend on myself. The flesh that says I want to depend on my, my pride. The flesh that says I, I can do things on my own. The flesh of, of self-dependency. And sometimes it's okay, listen, Sometimes it's okay to be in a place of vulnerability that you just don't understand why you're there. That's okay sometimes. Because Paul's word to us is, even in your weakness, I will be strong. That my grace, if that's all it is, is going to be sufficient for you. See, See, the flesh isn't so much, so many times we think about the big sins, right? The flesh many times comes in our lives by us just being self-dependent on ourselves and not trusting God and not, not believing that he knows what's best for us. Because I know in my life, I just want to be self-dependent. I want to make sure how's everything going to work out? How's the future going to work out? Blah, 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 blah. And God says, are you trusting me or are you trusting yourself? And sometimes God allows us to go through those times of uncertainty to, to rip away the, the flesh of self-dependency on our lives. So here, here's what I want you to take away with this morning. Just a couple of things. What Paul says at the end there in chapter three, at the end of his, his writing there, he says, I want to know Christ. So my question for you here this morning is what do you want to be known for? What do you want, what do you want to be known for? Listen, I, I, I want to be known for is, is a good dad, right? Your father's out there. I, I want to know that my kid said, hey, 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 dad, you were there for me. Dad, you were at my baseball games. Dad, you were... You know, you're at my assemblies. Dad, you, you, know, you tucked me in at bed and you prayed for me at night and, 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 and dad, you led spiritually. You know, I mean, I want to be known. For, I mean, that's a good thing. I want to be known as a good husband, right? That I was there for my wife, blah, blah, blah. I mean, these are important things that we want to be known for. Some of you say, I want to be known that I did well at my job or whatever. I was a good provider for my family. But you know what? 
You know what I really want to be known for? As someone who followed Christ. You see, when I look at my dad, my dad's a great dad. I thank God for my dad. I know many of you didn't have good examples of dad or spiritual example of dads. Um, and and, and I, I never take that for granted. I have a great dad. But the things that I look at when I look at my father's, not, not that... You know, I can remember all the times my dad was just there for me and he was just a good, just a good, good, good dad. I've got nothing bad to say about my father. But the thing when I look at my dad is this. I know that my dad loves Christ. That's the most important thing. That's it. That's, that's what I want to be known for. You see, what Paul said is, I don't want to be known for being the best Pharisee. He didn't even say, I want to be known for being a great martyr for Jesus Christ. He never said that. He said, I want to know Christ in his death and his suffering, that I might be counted worthy. The way that you know Christ is by saying, Jesus, whatever you take me through, whatever the circumstance you take me through, I'm I'm going to trust you. Even though I don't know it, I'm, I'm going to trust you. So my question to you today is, how are you doing at that? How are you doing at that? How are you doing at knowing Christ? What are some things in your life that you know you got to call out, that you know aren't right before the Lord, that are impeding you knowing who Christ is? How are you doing with that? Let me just encourage you, man, man. Listen, you are the spiritual heads of your home. Let your kids know that you know Jesus. Let them know. And the way you let them know that you know Jesus is in every life situations. It's being vulnerable. It's admitting to them that you made a mistake. It's in situations where you could compromise and then you look at your son or your daughter and say, you know what, I'm not gonna compromise there because I know it would ruin my testimony for Christ. See, it's in the little things. It's, not, it's great, read, read the Bible to your kids. That's great. Praise God, pray with your kids, pray with your wife. All those things are important. But let me just say this. This is how I know my dad knows Jesus. He's just... Here we are, we're in Arizona. We took a great trip Easter to see the Grand Canyon. My nephew moved out there. He's at a church out there. So I said, let's go to Arizona and visit Ben. And just, I want to see the Grand Canyon. I love looking down 4,000 feet and feel like you're going to die any minute. This is fun, right? We're out there and we took one of these little Jeep tours in Sedona. If any of you guys have ever been there, it's just the most beautiful place in the world. And within these Jeep tours, um, the gratuity is already added into the Jeep tours. And they're not, they're, they're expensive, but the gratuity's already added in, and, and we're, we're, um, we're done with the trip. And, and here my dad, at the end of the trip, gives the guy more tip. And I'm looking at my, because you know me, I'm cheap. And I'm looking at my dad and say, Dad, the gratuity's already in there. He goes, no, I just want to bless him. And I walk away going, that's my dad. He's just, you know what I'm saying? That was an example to me, his 47-year-old pastor's son. 
that I'm a cheapskate and I gotta work on my selfishness, right? Because for me, it was, that was off my radar. You got what you got, right? You got your gratuity, which was good, by the way, right? <laughs> Fine. But here my dad goes over and above to show God's grace. The guy was actually kind of like, whoa, wow. I shared this with you because I can't share it in the next one. I don't want to embarrass my dad in the next series because he'll be there. But I, I just wanted to share that with you in this. You know, I was, I was sitting with Lily one time. We're at a graduation. You know, when you sit through those graduation ceremonies, they are just so fun to sit through, right? They're so just, you know. So I had to admit, I actually was able to get Wi-Fi in my phone. So I was checking the weather real quick to the weather was going to be. Lily looks at me and she goes, seriously? <laughs> seriously, Dad? So I looked at her and said, Lily, I repent. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry. Will you forgive me, my 11-year-old daughter, okay? How many of you know that it's just being vulnerable, knowing when to say, and, and just showing that example of knowing Christ and doing the right thing. Even showing grace when grace shouldn't be available, right? That's where it's at, guys. Let's be there. Let's shoot, let's shoot for that. Let, let's, let's deny the flesh. And let's allow the spirit of Christ to rule and reign in our lives as we daily walk before him, as we daily swallow our pride, as we daily confess our sin and are open to it, and as we daily lay our lives down before him, we will deny the flesh and allow Christ to live through us. Amen? That's my desire for you. So Lord, right now, God, I, I just, just right now, I just pray for every man in this place. That, Lord, you would just um, speak to their hearts. That, Lord, we would be open and honest with our sin. We know that you, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we thank you for that, God. And, and Lord, we just, we just, we're an open book right here and right now. And, and, Lord, we just want you to do that deeper work in our heart. And we all know that there are things in our life that are, are, are fleshly, that need to be dealt with. And, and Lord, I thank you for your patience with us. That Lord, when we expose those things, you already know about them. It, they're not hidden from your sight, God. And I thank you that you're tender with us. That God, your, your blood flows to the point to where it covers us and cleanses us. Your sacrifice is perfect to cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. So Lord, I just pray for every man in this place today that God, you would do that deeper work in their heart as they, as they yield to the Spirit and deny the flesh so that, Lord, your righteousness would rule and reign in their lives. Thank you for your word today. We just love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And as we just close this time in this song, let this be our prayer to you today, that you will renew us and give us your strength. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's stand and let's close as we sing this song together. God bless you, amen. Let's make it our prayer. Can hold the weight of your love and know the heights of your great work. What 
judge the living and the dead And all eyes will look on your glorious face Shining like the sun Who is like you, God? you that are here today, maybe you're saying, you know, I, I, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. Maybe you've just made a new step today. Let me just encourage you. There's a, um, a, a booklet on the information table called What Now? It's free. Take that. That'll help you in your journey with Christ. The Bibles in the back seat are free. If you don't have a Bible, you can, you can take those. We have devotional books to help you with your daily devotions with the Lord God's Word for today. Those are on the information table. Those are free. So please uh, take advantage of those things. God is good. What a, what a good morning. Boy, good spirit here this morning. Praise God. We give God the glory for that. Um, if any of you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, go in God's grace. Have a great Father's Day. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, oh.